Maharshi, and there's a couple of things I like to share with, they're on the website, because these are some of my favorite quotes. But it says, that which is does not have to say I am, for no thought arises that I am not. Yes? So we're going actually the opposite way. What we're going to, what I'm offering is, is to look at what's arising and entertain it as I am not that. And at that point of just telling the truth about what's arising as you in your head, as you in perception, you know, because you look and you see your body, as you in all the ways we, we know things here, that none of what arises is me. And when I tell the truth about what I'm not, that's all that is needed to be done. You do not have to say what I am, because the absence of what you're not is what you are. Yeah. Right there. That thing that you call the absence of Paul, or when I'm out of self, that's it. There doesn't need to be any other movement. It's just the telling the truth that my absence is actually the presence. The dilemma for a lot of us is, we still keep implying that this is our presence, and we want to experience the presence. But the, the presence cannot be experienced by an absence. Yeah? It's the recognition that what I think is solid and real and is me is actually absent of inherent or real existence. Yes? It's empty, as they would say in Buddhism. In that recognition of the inherent emptiness of this, that's the presence. That right there. There's no need to do anything, because first of all, there's no one to do anything, and there's absolutely nothing to do. It's just telling the truth about what you're not, and that is what you are. It is that movement, that recognition, that illumination of finally seeing what you're not. The seeing of that is what you are. Sometimes it'll hit you, and then what usually happens is the mind will get back into thinking, I'm the one that had this great experience of what I'm not, and this and that. So the, what you're not will keep attempting to re-coagulate in a way, and to re-morph into you again. Yeah. But if you can just see, tell the truth, tell the truth, at one point, hopefully there'll be, the emphasis will shift enough that you'll just see it, and it will become established. Yeah? it will be seen as this is a choiceless revelation. It is not an option that I have to entertain or not. It is what I truly am, is that emptiness or that consciousness or that spirit. And that's the end of the story. Then, while all the things that arise, arise, always to fall, there won't be a sense, you will not go on the ride with that arising and falling. It won't be about you. You'll see it. And that's the freedom from the bondage of self. That is, see, the freedom from the bondage of self isn't like at 203 Elm Street on, you know, I go line up at 10 in the morning and by 12 I'm going to get the freedom from the bondage of self. I'll have, you know, maybe I'll only get it, use it for an hour and then I have to return it. It's not like that. The freedom from the bondage of self is an activity. It's a verb. Now. It's not an event that happened, nor will it be an event that's going to happen. There's just the activity of living as in the freedom from the bondage of self. Just as there seems to be an activity of living in the bondage of self. In a simpler way of saying it, there seems to be in duality, in this dualistic uh, appearance, either you're dying as the self or dying to the self. Meaning the small self, not the self that some spiritual groups use as the universal consciousness. I'm talking about the self as presented by recovery. Yeah? So either you're dying to the self, which is 
Dying to yourself is you're not believing the thoughts. Yes? And what you're truly not believing, you're not, it's not about are they thoughts or not. That's not what you're not believing. What you're not believing is I'm the thinker of them and they're about me. That's done. Yeah? So therefore, the my of the thought drops and that's the bonding agent. The thoughts do not bond you. Thoughts do not bond you. It's your identification as the thinker of them or they're about me that binds you. So the thought, the power of binding isn't coming from an outside force. The binding power is you. Ignorant of what your true nature is, you now become identified as what you're not, and then you suffer that identification. Immediately you suffer because you immediately get thrown into the role of seeking, because the absence of the presence causes you to seek the presence outside in things. Like St. Francis tried to save us tons of time by going, what's looking is what you're looking for. So every one of us is looking for something out there. Yeah, it's constantly seeking, seeking. Like you come in here seeking for the best seat, you know, or seeking this or seeking that. Constant seeking, 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 seeking. But what he's saying, what you truly are looking for is what's looking. Then why, in that simple statement, all effort and all distance and all time has been removed from the whole search, yeah? What's looking is what you're looking for. How much easier could it be? But the idea of what's looking has been named something that causes us to be blind to the what's looking because we think Paul is what's looking. Yes, Paul is this. So when this becomes established as my identity, I can't recognize my own nature while it's totally in activation at all times. I'm walking around as that, not knowing it, and then looking for it. And the thing is, the mind will never tell you exactly where to look because that would be the, that would, the whole dream would pop at that point, yeah? So what it does, it tries to create symbols and, and substitutes for what's looking. And it says that person is going to save you, or that job is going to save you, or that vacation is going to save you, or that new bike is going to save you, or this book is going to save me tonight, or those bars I bought, or the quinoa flakes, or something. Something is going to save me. Yeah? And so we're constantly looking outside of ourselves to be saved right, from actually ourselves. So, but most of us aren't seeking relief from self, we're seeking relief for self. We don't recognize it. You're enslaved to seeking. Because the unbearability, the restlessness and discontent is truly rooted in ignoring your true nature. And no matter how much you're searching and seeking and acquiring and getting out there, it's still ignoring your true nature. It's probably not going to be that satisfying. It's like the lion and the sheep. Yeah, If a lion has mistaken or forgotten its nature and has been living in the sheep world for years, and it's been chewing cud, you know, and talking, you know, having monthly sweater meetings, and who's going to be the next sweater this, this season or whatever, trying to practice barring, 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 he's probably not going to be that incredibly happy. But he doesn't know why, so he'll just try to become a better sheep, maybe, or move to a nicer sheep area, or again, move into a sheep-gated community, or join an elite sheep club, like the Rotary or something, and then hopefully keep on, keep on applying the same formula, so I'll just become a better sheep, I'll get more sheep stuff, I'll do this and do that, but all the while, its inherent nature is being forgotten in all the seeking for its own completion. But it's trying to get completion as a sheep. And it's that 
desire to get completion as a sheep is the act of denial of its own nature, which is of a lion. Once that's seen, ding, the sheep, you know, the, the obsession with sweaters is, just falls away. You, you stop taking barring lessons, you know, you're not chewing cut anymore, you're ripping meat off of something now. It's like everything changes, and it, it isn't like a drastically slow process. It's a recognition. Yeah. Just like that old story with the old lion and the young lion. The young lion had forgotten its nature and it was living in the sheep herd for years, trying to be the best sheep it could be as a lion. And then an old lion comes in to eat the sheep and he sees his young lion running away and he runs after the young lion. The young lion rolls over and goes, please, please, Mr. Lion, don't eat me. And the old lion's really perplexed. He grabs that young lion, drags it over to this pond of water, and it doesn't say a damn thing because he knows... Jesus, this thing is too far gone. He just hangs both their heads over the water and the lion, the young lion, sees its reflection and it matches the reflection of the old lion. Immediately it gets it. It doesn't have to take three months of lion, you know, lion classes or roaring classes. It immediately recognizes its nature because it was always available at all times with no requirement necessary. All he needed was an invitation to see. Yeah. He wasn't getting it from the sheep, but he got it from that other lion. As soon as he saw that, I, I swear that, old, that young lion, no matter how many years of acting like a sheep, will never be fooled again. He's never going to get on, you know, <laughs> he's not going to forget his lioness and become a sheep again. Unfortunately, we're not that type. We keep falling back into the dream. Yeah? And that dream immediately makes us the subject, but as this, and then we search for what's looking as an object. Maybe it's an object of how our society tells us, or maybe it's a spiritual object, where the teacher tells you, well now, go into the retreat center and meditate and purify yourself, and it probably won't be this lifetime, but a few lifetimes, and maybe you'll reach the point where you'll have enlightenment, and you'll wake up to your true nature. But if it's your true nature, why is it obvious to you now? It's the you that's causing it not to be obvious. So why would you want to send out the you to practice to try to bring about a conditional obviousness when the obviousness is real entertaining, I'm not that you. The blindness is the you. There is no inherent blindness. Consciousness is there. Consciousness is activated. You're, you're having contact with this place five different ways. We talked about it the other day. To me, this is love. I mean, maybe if there's only one way you had contact here, like hearing, then, then maybe you could be forgiven for missing it. But this conscious contact is five different doors. It's coming through the back door, the skylight, the cellar. It's knocking, hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, smelling. All day. All day, the consciousness is in contact with this place, is demonstrating, and we're not getting the message. Because every time they're seeing, the head says, I'm seeing. It doesn't even say it anymore, it's in place as a belief, but every time seeing is noted by the mental process, it goes, I'm seeing. Every time a feeling arises, I'm feeling that. Every time a smell, I'm smelling that. And so the emphasis leaves the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching, and it's not a random thing. If that emphasis was on the conscious contact, there would be, you wouldn't believe the presentation or the representation of life by your mental process for a freaking second. 
because the conscious contact would override the whole, all that false evidence that's appearing real in you. Every last bit of it, you would have the antidote to every little trip you've ever believed and listened to by just the conscious contact. And it, as long as you're here, it's incessantly on. So to me, that's love. Because if you can forget the truth and cause, be the cause of all your suffering, love would be something that would be always available at all times, inviting you to entertain that there's no real problem. It's an imaginary one. And so stop trying to apply solutions to it. Recognize it's imaginary, and that's that. My, all my, all quote-unquote my problems are based that I'm a real, long-lasting, independent, separate entity. This is what I am. If that would be disputed and seen not to be true, all the strength of all your problems would wane very quickly. Because the problems don't have any real strength. It's the meaning you give them. That's the bonding side. Yeah? And the meaning, why there's such big problems? Because they're big problems to you. And that you is this idea of being this body. And when that you, when something happens, and, and then the mind says, this is happening to Paul, Paul represents thousands of files from what we would call the memory banks of this computer called the past. And therefore, life is met with an interpretation based on the past. Yes? Life is met. Every, part, every time there's conscious contact, the mind, the conditioned mind, is interpreting it as I'm in contact, and that I represents only past. Yeah? So every conscious contact is being used to reinforce the belief that the past is the reality. Yeah? And it's being applied in this moment, speculating about a future. Every thought, there's never been a new thought, ever. All thoughts are encompassed in time with past. That's all they are. What's happening is life is occurring, conscious contact, the mental process represents it based on it's happening to you, and then it's remembers something that happened to you when a situation similar to the one it sees now happened. And you react from there, and you paste it on this moment. To me, that's playing God. And in our recovery program, the how and why of the whole program, which is very, very under-noticed, I feel. Very rarely do people talk about it, but it says, quit playing God. And the simple reason why is it doesn't work. I don't see a better definition than playing God. I mean, a living definition than what the mental process is doing. <coughs> I mean, you can't beat it. It's, it's a verb, yes, that implies a noun. And as soon as the noun is implied, it says, I have the mental process. I have the body. I have, I'm what's in conscious contact. I have a past. I'm going to have a future. Have, 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 have. It claims everything. Every possibility it claims is the one who has the possibility. <laughs> so the verb becomes a noun to you. The subjectness of life is forgotten. This object, which is the mind, is part of the brain, is an object, yes? The mental process of the brain is an object, having it. This object takes itself to be the subject. As soon as this becomes the subject, everything out here becomes an object to this as the subject. So now, instead of life is happening, it's happening to me. Instead of seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and smelling as a sense, it, I'm doing it. 
and then a movement that's happening in you, you're doing it to me. Or someone, something that you like is happening to someone else, hey, that should be happening to me. And so all this happening, which is just a giant verb, because you take this fixed point of reference, everything has a direction according to you. So you, you see life as how it pertains to you. You're not practicing that. I had alcoholism since I was a kid in place, and I, that's how I saw life. Everything I looked at, I saw how it pertained to me. I didn't practice it, nothing. Of course, I didn't, couldn't compare this thinking with other people's thinkings until I came into these rooms, and I had no idea. I thought, this is the way thinking goes. Yeah? But this is not the way thinking goes. This is the way self-centered thinking goes. And I've been, it's like I've been wearing a helmet my whole life, called self-centeredness, and I've been breathing its atmosphere, what it produces, which is anxiety. Yes. <laughs> and I'm walking around in nirvana or heaven thinking this is a hostile territory I'm in, only because of the helmet. But the fear to take the helmet off is so overriding, you'll put up with almost anything. Yeah? Because you think it would be worse if you take the helmet off. So someone comes around and says, pop! And you'll not get the helmet back up! And then you see them running around and running around, and you still will neuter the message because you don't think they're special. Yes? They're special. They don't have a family and kids. They've been to Himalayas. Da -da 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 -da. They've learned how to live without a helmet. No, no, no. That's just another strategy of mine to keep the helmet on. Making themselves unique and always making a savior out there to give them permission not to be that. That's why, in, well, I take it this way. In Zen, they would say, if you meet the Buddha on the street, shoot him. What? I would think you should bow down. No, no, shoot the motherfucker. Why would I do that? Because if you're thinking it's outside of you, you're denying the Buddha of what you are. So that Buddha isn't serving you. Yeah? Because you're using it to sort of make it totally, totally un-okay. See, the mind... You think it's making something okay? It's not. It's trying to make something okay is truly unokay. Yeah. Every time it tries to dump, let's say, uh, something on someone, usually a significant other, right? You wouldn't do what you do to someone you love, supposedly, to a stranger, would you? They'd beat the shit out of you. <laughs> but, I mean, you work hard at getting someone to really like you, then it, you think that's permission to bring the dump truck and dump it on them. <laughs> All right. I'm going to blame you for every disappointment I ever had. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's freaking incredible. <laughs> and then they, all right, there's a deal. They do the same to you. Have you ever done it when you flipped out? You're yelling and screaming, but then a stranger walks by, you're both behaving. And then as soon as they leave, oh, you You're afraid to behave to someone you don't even know, but to her or him, no, it's totally okay. Fine. <laughs> this is... We've been taken over, if you want to look at it that way. I like to express it as a parasite, because it's a nice way to try to at least entertain its foreign from you. Because the dilemma is you think it's you. Seriously. The mental process is thinking as if it's you. That, feel, that you is a thought and a sense. It's a feeling. So you get a sense or a feeling that this is me. It is a contrived feeling produced by the process. You are not having an authentic, uh, objective discovery. It has been contrived and manipulated to keep the sense of what you are identified as what you're not. Yes? 
The sense of what you are is forgotten, and you take it to be the sense of being Paul. It's like they say, I think, again in Zen, you know, the enlightened mind and the ordinary mind are the same mind. It's the exact same mind. There's just, at one point, you're in the verb of conditional identification. Another moment, the verb of unconditional non-identification is in place. The one is always so. The other only appears to be so. Yeah? The identification as that what you're not appears to be so. What's always so is the invitation of your own nature, which is being demonstrated, I would call it B-E-I-N-G, being by having conscious contact. I'm smelling, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching every freaking day. I'm not doing it. Did you set out to smell today? No. I'm going to smell today. No, you walk by something, you smell it. Yeah. So if I'm looking out that window, my eyes open, I'm going to see what goes by the window. It has nothing to do with choice. It's like, oh, I really want to see a bird. Oh, you see that? I saw a bird. Pretty good. And then the th- if you believe you're the thinker, why not stop your thoughts? If they're yours, why not just have good ones? Why do you feel as if you're being attacked by them? What's being attacked by them is another thought. You, are, you have never been attacked. Well, like in the Course it would say, my attack thoughts are attacking my invulnerability. So the, st- the fact is you're invulnerable, but you don't believe that, so you've given those thoughts all the power to attack you because what you're identified is with the thought of you. You're not, identif- you're not clear on what you are. You're identified with a thought of you, and that can be attacked by another thought. So you seem to be under attack, and you'd love to have immunity of thought, wouldn't you? You'd love to have a day undirected by thought, or a day unrepresented to you by thought. Especially after the day's over, how many times does your head represent the day? Jesus Christ, if I only would have done this. There's no do-overs here. (laughs) You know what I mean? Seriously. They do not, you know, call the production off and everyone leaves the stage and the director comes and you as the star, of course, have to show up and, all right, let's go over the lines again. I want you to say a different line. There's no do-overs. It's just what happened, happened. But the head, how many times has it represented it in in you? How many fucking times? And if you're identified with it, your attention and interest can't pull away from the screen. You have to look at every freaking representation. And it's, I would imagine its strategy or its intent is to make something clearer or easier, but what does it do? I think it produces the exact opposite. If someone like, if let's say Jack was in having a bad day today, and then he told me, I'm going to go home and think about it. I would probably even go to a movie with Jack to stop him from doing that. Even though I may not want to. If he said he was going to go home and think about it, I would probably go out of my way to stop that. Because when he goes into his room and think about it, it's going to spawn tons of other things. The thinking is the dilemma. To, a, to rely on that to pre- bring about some clear solution is insanity. It's an archaic system that's unreliable. Hasn't it proved you, that to you? What? Hmm? So how can you not see that? How can, how can so much convincing evidence cause you not to be convinced? Because what's, 
identifying what's claiming the evidence is the problem itself. Yeah? If you, if someone came here tonight and they started selfing, let's say, and they started, you know, going off and this and that, you'd be bored in about two minutes. Really, you would. You'd go and go to the bathroom or do something. But you and I have been listening to the same stuff for 40 years in our own head. What is the difference? The difference is this is about me and that shit's about them. I have an immunity because it's about them and I don't seem to have any immunity because it's about me. I have incredible wisdom about your shit. I can be like Solomon up here, I guess. You know, that's an insane thing. I don't think you should do that. You should call your sponsor whatever. But I'm running the same thing, not share it with anybody, thinking it's a wonderful, novel idea. Why is that? The thoughts are the same. The apparatus is basically the same. But that apparatus is viewing the thoughts with the belief that they're about me or I'm the thinker of them. This apparatus is viewing thoughts with the same view. They're about me or I'm the thinker of them. That's the bonding agent, not the thoughts. Thoughts are just thoughts. But when they become my thoughts, they become a, they're, they're like the seed to a huge story. Yeah? There are another chapter to your never-ending saga of the narration of Paul and his trudging destiny through this life. It's all made up. And the only person who would ever buy that book is you. Really. It would be it would not be a bestseller anywhere else. <laughs> Seriously. No one would sub subscribe to your newsletter. Nothing. It would be they'd be bored as hell. But the same thing if it's about them, they're quite keen on it. That's the whole dilemma. That is the bonding agent. Most people think thoughts are driving me crazy, but no. Thoughts are not driving you crazy. Thoughts don't have the ability to drive you crazy. But if you give them the ability to drive you crazy when they're held as yours, you've got to see it. You are way responsible here for the way things are. You're not a victim. No. No way. You are the dreamer of this freaking dream, in a sense. And until that is seen, then you'll keep giving the dream the power to affect you up the wazoo. You will throw the power that you inherently are over to what you've dreamt, and then you will, that will affect you, and you will blame it on the outside world as if it's real and solid. It's called total ignorance. You're ignoring what's going on. Yeah? And if you live on a consequential level here, you're just going to get whacked and whacked and whacked, and you won't know it until after you've been whacked, and that ain't good enough. Yeah? I don't want to be a professor of holes and keep falling in them. I don't want to have a lot of self-knowledge about holes and keep falling in, in them. Self-knowledge avails us nothing. What is, why is that? You would say knowledge is valuable, and it is. But when knowledge is claimed by self, it becomes has no value in leading you to the freedom from self. Because it's the act of claiming and identifying, which is the bondage, is not what's being claimed. Being a saint can be claimed just as easily as being an addict. Being a loser can be claimed just as being a great person can be claimed. The, the mental process will claim whatever is appearing and take advantage of it. Yeah? So some are wearing gold chains, some are wearing iron chains, but we're all bound to that idea of being a self. Yeah? This is freedom from that bondage. And that bondage is applied every moment through ignorance, yeah? through ignorance and habit. And all this intention of, that happens here for me is I am just 
introducing you to a message because this is how it happened to me. I was very much into spiritual seeking after I got into recovery. For about 10 years, I was doing a lot of stuff, meditating every day, doing retreats, Tai Chi, all this, all that, all blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but I had no freaking clue what was truly going on. None. Every time I did something, I thought it was me that was doing it. So I went on the retreat. I thought I was really getting good. I thought I was becoming really spiritual. And then I'd leave the retreat. It would last for a day or two, and then shit would hit the fan. And whatever I did never had any lasting effect. And the only thing my mind would give me as a solution to it was do a longer retreat. Maybe you should make a more extreme commitment. Become a monk. Give me a break. I don't want to go to Thailand and be a monk. All this stuff. Instead, in one day, just like hopefully is happening here, I went to a meeting, and the lady corrected my direction. She said, in a sense, she said, listen, instead of looking for another technique of meditation, why not ask who's the meditator? I don't have an opinion about techniques of meditation. If you want to find one, find one. If you don't, don't. But who is it that's the meditator? Maybe that would be a good idea to find out. Yeah, because your whole life is based on you thinking you know who you are. Are you that? And when my attention and interest was freed from that modality of seeking and started looking at the seeker, then something actually happened, finally. Yeah? Because when I looked at the seeker, no one showed up. <laughs> and I stood in front of it for a while, and I asked pretty sincerely, and nothing ever showed up. <laughs> sense, the seeking manufactures a seeker, yes? And the seeker has to seek. So we're going, I'm not saying stop seeking, because if you stop seeking, that's another form of seeking as a seeker. You'll be non-seeking now. Or I'm not saying Advaita or non-duality, because then you'll think, as a dualistic object, you'll think about non-duality and it'll become a dogmatic fucking philosophy. It doesn't hold any water when the shit hits the fan. Yeah? This is more, this isn't, this is really to me the position of neutrality that recovery talks about. There's no, there's, there is no self and there is also no non-self. Yeah? There's not self and non-self. There's not saint and sinner. You're neither. Whatever's being presented to you on either side of the coin, you're not the coin. It doesn't mean I'm only the one, I'm only the head side of the coin, I'm only the good side now, I was the bad side, now I'm only the good side. No, you have never been either side. Yeah? They were just appearances in this place. Just like consciousness is all there is, as they say, but here it can appear to be conscious or unconscious. Doesn't it? Don't you feel you've been more conscious certain days than you've been? Other days? You definitely feel when I was out there using crazily, I was totally unconscious, and now I'm not using it, now I'm more conscious. But the real f- point, the freedom is in, is in neither of them. The freedom is all there is is consciousness. Yeah? Because there's no option in that. It's choiceless. It's a realization. That's that, and all there is is that. Now the mind will keep acting as if this is so, and that is so, this is so, and that is so, and the degrees and the movement between them, but hopefully you'll recognize that all this movement is just the ripples on the surface of that ocean. 
That ocean doesn't change. There isn't less water when it's low tide and more water when there's high tide. There's just the appearance of it. I bet you if you weighed the ocean, not one ounce has been lost, even though it appears it was really a lot of water and then a little bit of water. No, there's, all there is is that water. Yeah? There's a movement, low and high. So this is about, you see the movement, the movement is the recognition, I'm not that, and in that recognition, you are what you are. It'll never to be known by you, because there is no you to know it, and you couldn't know it, because all you can do is know from it. You cannot turn around as this and see it, because you're seeing. That whole idea of being the subject is what needs to be given up. And then when you realize this is just an object, that's the subjectivity. That's the pure subjectivity. You're never going to know it. If you're waiting to get it, you're missing the boat. There's no getting it. It's just a recognition. That's all there is is that. That can free you up from the... To me, it created an immunity or made an immunity to thought. My life wasn't directed by thought. And I wasn't taking the representations of life to be life. Yeah? Because the, the, the authenticity of life is in the living of it, not the interpreting of it. That's all what the head does, is interprets life. It represents it to you. It says, this is what this meant, or this is what's happening. You remember back then? That's what was really going on. It just keeps representing. <laughs> but how the amount it can represent, and what it can represent, is defined by the system itself. Self-centeredness. Self can't get out... If self is a product of a mental process, how could it ever transcend it? How could a product of the mental process ever transcend the mental process? It can only seem real in the mental process. Once it's, yeah, once there's a sense of I'm not the mental process, you will not think that there's, the idea of self is real. Because you'll see it as a product of the mental process. It cannot transcend that. That's the transcending of it. The recognition, it cannot transcend it. That's transcending it. Quote, unquote, transcending it. What we think transcending means, that's what it is. You transcend it by realizing it's not so. If you try to transcend it, that's giving it the reality. Yeah? To transcend something, it has to be real to you, doesn't it? To transcend it. To grow above it, to leave it. It must be a real place to leave. This is, we're trying to go even faster, make it totally timeless, which is, I'm not that. If the problem is imaginary, then the only solution is to recognize that. That's the true solution. Yeah? If the problem is imaginary, the solution is to recognize that it's imaginary. No need to apply anything to it. It's just the way it is. It just goes like this, cracks open, like that, instantaneously. It doesn't crack open, but it can, it's almost like that. It's like, ching, ching, with no time, no process. It's ching, and the lens just goes, zoom, and then, zoom, every moment, zoom, 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 and it's not even doing that, but it's sort of like that. It's like the top of your head's blown off. And then after a while, by its movement, you intimate something about it. 
You intimate by moving it. See, you can't know a verb by being a noun. You can't do it. As soon as you take yourself as this, you're entering the world of nounness, and all there is is a verb. All there is is being, and a noun cannot know being. Yeah? It can't know it, because it, the process of knowing it as a noun neuters the being. It neuters it. You won't recognize it. Yeah? You'll, th- you'll think like you captured some, and you'll put it on your mantle, and you'll say, there's being. See, I, that's being. No. Being is so, it's constantly going on, there's no time to observe it or narrate it or critique it or even witness it. It's just going, yes? Just the movement of being. You're swept away. Not even, it's, the whole constant state is swept away. It wasn't like an unswept away moment and now you're swept away. It's just swept away all the time. It's very hard to establish a fixed mental position when it's just that you're in like this raging energetic river. All your little fake little islands just get pushed right out. Just put it to you. If I'm in fear yeah. and I'm buying into a story that's making me more afraid, um, at that moment when the feelings are going through, you're feeling paralyzed because you're in fear, and then you start to feel miserable because you're in fear. So it's like, okay, a lot of things are happening. How do you um, disidentify that? You don't. Go help somebody else. First of all, you said you were in fear, and then a story is written about it. The story is what produces the fear. The fear doesn't. Yeah. So help somebody. If you truly believe that's happening to you, you'd better get a pail of water, because that house seems to be on fire to you, right? Get a pail of water. Don't think about it, and don't try to conjure up a philosophy as like a deterrent to that fire. That philosophy will be, will be like gas to it. Just go out and help somebody. Do something. Not someone you know, but someone. Do something. Get out of yourself. What you call getting out of yourself. As quickly as you can. Seriously. Because you're cooking, seemingly. It's not you. It's your head. But you're believing it, so you better get some help. Is that the only way out of it? believe you're in it yet? If you believe you're in it, I don't know if it's the only way, but that's a damn good way. Prior to that is, see, if you don't believe you're in it, then this question wouldn't come up. Yeah? So the real solution is that no question ever arises. Because the solution's already activated. 
In other words, when these, when the, when this is activated, I'm not creating a hypothetical question. Ask someone, what is it? What if someone's house was on fire when I'm thinking it's me? <laughs> what about if someone was on fire? That's not even coming into my head whatsoever because it doesn't exist for me at that moment. Yeah? That's the freedom. Now, that to me is the real solution. But you're saying, is that the only one you can do? Well, if you believe the house is on fire, go out and help somebody. Because if this was already in place, this solution, you wouldn't believe your house was on fire. There wouldn't be, there would be maybe a you believing the house was on fire, but your cap, your consciousness would not be captured by that. You would not become identified with what's having the fire, yeah? That's just, so it's a very simple diagnostic tool. If someone calls me up and says, I really need help, they really need help. Yeah? That's so, okay, there's thousands of tools you can offer someone here to help them as what they think they are at that point. If someone's in this thing, they, they're not buying that idea that they really need help, and so the, that's the different solution. That's the solution which is the problem doesn't exist. But if the problem seems to exist, you better go in and shop for some solutions. And you've been already shown a damn good solution in recovery, which is to help someone else. So, chop, chop. Get on with it. If you think you have free will, exert it. All right? Obviously, if you believe you're in a fire, yes, and the house is burning, you also believe you have free will, because somewhere you believe you caused the house to be on fire, yes, and you deserve the burning, probably. So free will is in there. If you believe you have free will, exert it. Do the next right thing. You know what the next right thing is. And then when the mind presents a story, well, I don't want to do it, I'm feeling so tired, fuck it, get up and go. <laughs> yeah, literally. Or, don't, and suffer the consequences of being the one whose house is on fire, who doesn't want to lift up the pail and throw the water in the fire's direction. You're gonna, if you believe all those things are in place, the house, the fire, the pail, and you don't throw it, you're going to get burnt. Or seemingly so. Of course you're not getting burnt. There isn't anyone to get burnt. But the pantomime has gone so far, it's going to be played out. There's going to be consequences. So, exert free will and do something. If you don't want to do something, shut up and don't talk to about a lot of people about it. Just take it like a man or a woman. Be accountable for the shit that you really want to be in. Uh, hopefully you'll be the best teacher in the world, really. If you start getting your mental processes, products, like unadulterated, yeah, no spin on it, you'll fucking get sick of it. Yeah, you will get sick of it so quickly. You're waiting for a savior to do something for you. Yeah, and then you suffer, suffer, suffer with the sense of entitlement that I, I deserve a savior. Your house is burning down. Get up and put the water on it. Or don't. So, yeah, this, there is no need for any solutions, and yet if there is a need for a solution, you better get one. Seeking isn't, seeking is only selfing when there's a seeker. Seeking happens here, yeah? 
But that, it doesn't imply a seeker except to you, if you're identified as a seeker. You know what I mean? So seeking happens. There's nothing wrong with seeking. What happens is when the seeking becomes an identification tool to, as to make up a seeker, then the seeker, seeking is a way of bonding you to the seeker. Yeah? So of course you sought something to come here. What we do here, I, I, I put it out as entertaining. Yes? So what happened with me? I'm here already. Whatever brought me here, brought me here. But when I'm here, there's a message being delivered. And if you've come here before, it's the same thing every time. You're really getting nothing every time. You know? <laughs> 20 years of different nothings. But I mean, I know how much, it's like, how, how much can you, drop, you know, dress up nothing? After a while, you see it as nothing, hopefully. That's the whole point. But, yeah, and so there's an entertaining. And to me, entertaining is different in a way. There's no me entertaining, there's just entertaining. Yeah. So seeking all this stuff is fine and dandy. It's when, it is, when the mental process uses the seeking to make up a seeker, that's, the, to me, the dilemma. Yeah. But only to you as the seeker. Because, obviously, if you become a seeker, the seeking is probably never going to satisfy you because you're never going to find what you're supposedly looking for. So the you is the main ingredient. See, seeking doesn't cause any pain unless there's a seeker. Because the seeker has, a, has an idea of what it wants and what it's hoping to get, and it will never find that out. It's trippy, yeah? So someone says there's absolutely no problem, but then they're... They seem to be living a problem. Maybe that's not the solution offered them that day. Get a pail of water. Yeah. And if they believe they did it, then exert free will and do something new. I mean, if there's guilt and shame concerning something, there had to be a belief you were the doer, or you wouldn't have guilt and shame. And guilt and shame rests on the branch of doership, personal doership. So if you're believing, if all your suffering is based on you being the doer, go do something. You know what I mean? Get up and help somebody else. I mean, your, your whole seeming dilemma is based on doing, so let's, okay, let me do something else. This is what happened with us in recovery, in a sense. We got into recovery, and we had an incredible opinion of ourselves as being such a terrible doer and haver out there. So we couldn't think ourselves into a better condition, so we started acting ourselves into a better condition. We started to do esteemable acts that no one could dispute, like, hey, I'm waiting after the meeting to talk to this guy I don't even like and go out to court with him. And what happened is, these actions loosened up the grip of selfing so you could get a little relief in that prison that you seem to be in. We're saying now, now that you maybe gotten a little relief, you have maybe a few breaths of, of peace that you can entertain, I'm not that. But, if, if, but you can't entertain, I'm not that as you. Yeah? So the entertaining I'm not that is, is, this is the invitation. Entertain, you're not that. So of course you'll believe you're entertaining, you're not that. And in the hopes of entertaining, you're not that, which is entertaining, yeah? You'll just see entertaining. Yeah? There's no you. And then you'll be left off the hook. You never sought out there. You never did any fucking thing. You're accountable because this is the game board you're on. Like you're a boot in Monopoly. So you step in shit, you know, you got to clean it. That's the way that, because the shit sticks on the boot. But you're not responsible. Yes? 
a difference. People think accountability and responsibility. No, you are so overly responsible, that's what's causing most of your suffering. Deep down, you believe you're the reason why you're where you are. And I'm only, I'm just questioning not where I am, but who's there. If I'm not there, the meaning of where I am loses its importance. Seriously. If I'm not the one who's there where I am, then I don't care much about where I am. There's the freedom from it. So, I don't, see, there's a sense of being okay. It may not look like I'm okay to many people. And it definitely may not look like I'm okay to my head. My head definitely doesn't think I'm okay, look like I'm okay. But there's a sense of okayness. Just like in recovery, there's a sense of belonging. People go to meetings, this and that, this and that, but they don't have the sense of belonging yet. Sometimes it comes after doing a fifth step, supposedly. Yeah? But you, one time, sooner or later, uh, hopefully if you participate in recovery, you'll have a sense of belonging. You've been longing the whole time, but a sense of belonging is a whole different way of traveling. So this sense of okayness isn't based on how it looks to you or to this. Yeah? It's just the sense of okayness. And it's not overridden by the conceptual take of life anymore. The sense of okayness is, is real. Yes? It's real. And once that sense of realness is, you can have some discrimination and discernment about what's not real. And stop blaming yourself for not being satisfied here. No one would be satisfied here if they realized what was going on. We're all lions trying to live like a sheep. Yeah. And we pay other people to make it easier. I'm going to go pay a therapist to make me feel all right better as a sheep. No! You're a lion. I don't want to get help to sort of indoctrinate or integrate into sheep world. I want to realize I'm not a sheep. Hey! <laughs> I want to be a free-range alcoholic. I don't want to live near a coop. You know? to be like, let coopless, you know, free. Become your own authority. Your gut can follow, you know, it's a very good leader of your gut. It's a very, you can navigate. That stuff we gave away, we gave our authority away. We've been looking for saviors and people to, to take responsibility for us. Yeah? This is about responding to that ability of being awake. If this room was not lit, There'd be so many problems in this room because of the darkness. Yeah. So what we do is we still deny our own light and we start buying flashlights and fucking other candles and, you know, lighting other candles. Oh, it's, he's the only bright one here. Here's my little candle. Let me. No. You're the light of the world, I think someone once said. You're the light of the, you are the light of the world. So... I'm not waiting for someone to come into my life and illuminate it. I am the illuminating factor. But not as Paul. Yeah. You'll never find peace with who you are yeah, when it's who you're not. There'll always be something wrong with it the mind will harp on. Because it's a composite. It's just made up out of past little fragments of pictures and memory. And it's like a jigsaw puzzle the mind plays with every day. And it just makes another face of you all day. I'm really a loser. I've always felt like this. No, you never always felt like that. You felt like it right then with the sense of historically always feeling like it. 
It's made up. The mind is playing a game. And it keeps moving the jigsaw things and putting it together with the hope that if you found the one, it would all make sense. There ain't no peace. The recognition is that. separating it just what we're doing here is entertaining something and that possibility may change the way you travel in life yeah that's what happened with me it was like all I've been sent to do is work on the knots of my life finally someone enticed me to to entertain maybe this is the first knot I entertain the identification as self as the first knot and by the loosening up of all the other knots in my life, it told me that's the truth for me. So, like Jesus says, I, can, I could not know the tree, but I will know the tree by the fruit. So by the fruit of entertaining this message, I feel like I have an intimation of the tree. And that tree is solid to the core. Its roots are deep, yes, and it gives an incredible amount of shade of peace and of space and clarity. I can't see. To me, it was the last answer, yeah? It's just the last answer in this life so far. It just hit me and boom, and that's that. And I haven't gotten any new downloads since. Yeah. So if you, if I do, you'll be the first to know. You know. I'll, I'll, I don't want to know. <laughs> that's right. I'll sign you up for the retreat, and we'll start practicing. Just let the on your TV screen, shoot it. <laughs> Cancel Comcast. <laughs> it's nice to hear this, isn't it? I mean, I love, it just, uh, it's like putting 50 steps on a staircase. Yeah. <laughs> can just keep going, 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 going. I really like that. Yeah. I dig it because you know when you're out there, oh, it's the same old, same old, wasn't it? It was just like rehashing the same thing. Another fairy princess with this huge hope that she was going to save me. And of course they failed every time. And all this and all this. And it's amazing how we can just keep, how, how self-resuscitating the illusion is. <laughs> you basically, it only offers you like four possibilities. You can, you will be okay later. <laughs> You're never okay now. It's always like, you will be okay later, maybe. <laughs> Someone will come in your life and everything will change. It'll be great. 
<laughs> You'll have enough stuff that you can block everyone else's effects out of your life. <laughs> All right, I like that one. I used dope. I didn't get material stuff, but when I shot up dope, you had no effect on me. <laughs> that was my whole solution to feeling, was I was going to make a feeling in me before any other feeling ever came knocked on my door, and that's why I was loaded all the time, because I had a sense of fucking control. Yes? Totally made up, but that was the mental process's drive. At least I'm going to establish this as my special somewhere, and I'm going to be in a little gated community and block out that everywhereness. Yeah? And if you come bringing anything and everything, I'm going to already have a state set up in me. And I worship that God of drugs. I worshiped it. I was the greatest devotee I could have ever been. To. The only, the greatest devotion I ever had in this life was to addiction. I was a perfect addict. I would do anything to get loaded, and I didn't care about the consequences. And I'm telling you, many of us know, I've come back and it's a failed system. You cannot transcend what isn't so. You cannot transcend what isn't so. Every act of transcending what isn't so binds you to the reality of that what isn't so. I, gotta, I had to go the other way. I had to go through the back door and entertain I was not that. Instead of trying to smash that I wasn't, I had to entertain I'm not that. That's what I did when I was a kid. Things overwhelmed me, so my mind's process was to make them unreal. That's what I did by reading. I read tons of science fiction, Edgar Allan Poe and everything like that. Then I got into sports and I started drinking and then I got into re recovery and spirituality. They were all ways of trying to make what I felt was so real, unreal. And what I did, I gave it all the reality it had. And when I finally allowed it to be as real as it wanted to be, you're a fucking fraud, okay. You know, you're really a bad person, fine. You know, you should have never done that to your mother. But I did, everything. As soon as I let all that stuff I wanted to be as unreal as it could be, real, it showed its nature. It's unreal. But I was never going to see its true nature by making, trying to make it unreal. I was reinforcing its nature. I was making it real by trying to make it unreal. And people do it with spirituality and philosophies. They're trying to make something unreal. And it makes it realer and realer. This is about letting it all be as real as it wants to be, because if you let go of it, it will demonstrate its true nature. It's unreal. Or in Zen, they would say it's inherently empty. Yes. That's the freedom. Not freedom contrived, but freedom recognized, realized. Yes? Not by reading a book or by someone else telling you it, but in your own gut. By realizing it. Not you realizing it, a realization of it. Yeah. Once that begins, entertain it. Yeah, you're on to something. Seriously. So he said, you know, I use the 11th step for that. That's not, the point is that that's right but if you believe you need to improve it then improve it yeah exactly well that's the way I go about it in a sense but hey other people if you believe you need to improve your conscious contact. And if you believe that, you better do something to improve it because it will produce the effects of not doing that in you. 
Seriously, if you believe you need to do something to have conscious contact, then, and you don't do it, you will experience not being in conscious contact. It's not real, but you will experience that. Yes. If, if a person is in a uh, situation where they're uh, struggling with the condition of the 11th step, then the act of meditation should be one of who is it that's trying to improve their conscious contact through meditation. And in that, entertaining that position, ultimately unknowing will appear, and that unknowing will provide a sense of being that is in stillness and empty and void. And in that place, there's no adding to or taking away from. It's, it's like you sit until the tide goes out. The ocean appears like it went out, but like Paul said, the ocean is the ocean. So meditation is just letting the ocean appear to go out and recognizing that you're really doing nothing but witnessing the shenanigans of the self trying to interfere with the ocean. And it's based on the conditioning. Like for me... My idea of really doing nothing is really doing nothing. <laughs> I'm striving for that every day. <laughs> so I did, I did a lot of stuff, and then I, don't want, I had a, 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 an inclination not to do it anymore. But that has nothing to do with meditating or not. If that's what you're drawn to do, it's not you, do it. If that's, if, see, the thing is, if you think you have free will, exert it. Even if you don't think you have free will, exert it. What's the problem? There is no self. You're not getting any demerits or credits. You know, seriously. You're not like being graded. You know, there's not a teacher looking at you as the student. What you are is unmistakably uninvolved here. Literally. It's not going to have any... Once this is over, this little dream, there's not going to be one mark on what you are from it. Not at all. It won't even be remembered at all. That's been a distinct hit I had with it. Because I went out a couple of times, and one of the times when I came back, it was that obviously there is no memory of this <laughs> when you go, because the only thing that can have a memory is the you. And it's not the you, it's the mental process. And that's over. Yeah? There is no memory of this place. There's no longing, you're not missing out, you don't have to be patient. None of that. There's no time involved either. Yes? So like uh, what, what you talked about, about uh, regarding the whole step level conscious contact, seeking conscious contact, it, it, that in itself is acknowledging that uh, is, is uh, uh, convincing yourself that, that you don't already have. It's like the, in the same sense that my uh, sponsor tells me to uh, uh, always instruct me to use prayer as a form of, uh, of uh, gratitude instead of supplication because because to uh, to pray and say uh, to pray in the morning and say thank you for the courage and the strength that I already have within me that I you know to uh, to be uh, you know to you know remain in the present moment to be men of maximum service to my fellow to help others just like that like praying like please God give me the courage that 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 uh, in and of itself is acknowledging that I don't have it and when I acknowledge that if I I sit there and acknowledge I don't have it then you know, then I can't, you know, you know, but, but thanking God for, you know, for already having it is just acknowledging what's already there and opening the door to, uh, to, uh, accessing it or tapping into it, right? Well, gratitude is fun. Really, the attitude of gratitude is fun. Yeah. Why not? If there's a drawing 
in you to be grateful far out. See, this idea of believing that we were a self and then we believe we're a non-self. And a non-self should do something different than the self did. There was no self ever doing anything. So in one sense, there's no need for the non-self to jump in, which is just a part of another mental process, saying, I shouldn't be doing what I used to do as a self. Now I'm going to non-self all day. But that's also being the doer and the haver. Yes? And the same, you know? So it's like two sides of the coin. It tries to present one or the other. It's neither. That's the beauty of the space. Yeah? The space is there's neither. I'm neither this nor that. That's the freedom. Freedom from the duality. Freedom from yes and no, close and far, connected, disconnected, conscious, unconscious. Who tells you you're unconscious? Your head does, doesn't it? Consciousness doesn't tell you you're unconscious, does it? Did consciousness break the news to you? No. The mental process in language tells you you're not conscious today. And of course it has to do with something it did or didn't do. Who's playing God there? The narrator of the head. It says, I can make you seem unconscious. Whoa, I'm a very fucking powerful God if I can do that. If God is consciousness and you, I can make you unconscious, then which is the bigger God in this situation? The God of consciousness or what can thwart that consciousness? I would say self is the bigger God. That's what it's doing. The mental process is made up of God. It's called you. And that you can entertain another God called God, but that God will always be weaker than the God of you. Maybe it will get you some parking spaces and this and that, but no radical shift will ever happen to you as the God as while you're entertaining the other God. Why is that? Because that God player, this is just, it's just a recognition. To me it's very economical. It's very, 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 very economical. You get streamlined, you get pared down yeah. You know, it's, there's like a fluidity now to your life. It's beautiful in a way. It's beautiful to see life being in conscious contact through this interface. It's incredible to watch. That consciousness is experiencing this place. You're not experiencing You've never experienced the damn thing, ever. The mental process is a representer of an experience. It's never an experiencer. It represents the experience as I'm the one who had the experience. That's all it can do. It does not experience anything. It interprets and reiterates and represents and rehashes and rethinks and refeels, but it cannot feel. It cannot see. It cannot hear. Consciousness is what seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and, and smelling. Consciousness is what animates this thing, not your mental process. Do we ever hear from consciousness? Hmm? Does consciousness have a, a delight in the experience? Or I have no idea. It doesn't seem like it tonight. <laughs> turn this one in, eh? I want a new one here. I don't like this experience. <laughs> well, the consciousness in a sense to me is captured by the mental process. It's become identified with the mental process. And therefore, it's 
that light and emptiness and pristineness has been co-opted in a sense. And now is actually the consciousness is what's used to to illuminate and to and to light the stage of bondage. Yeah? You're conscious of thoughts you hate you wish you weren't conscious of. That's why we shot dope. That's why we wanted to get didn't you want to get out of that fucking thing? I was so sick and tired of it. I would I would take shots and that would overdose me. I could care less. I could care less if I didn't come back. I had had it. Yeah. Why? Because you were conscious of the thoughts. You were conscious of the process, but that consciousness wasn't freeing you. It was actually binding you to the to the process because you were identified with the process's product. I'm a self. Yeah. So what what is your inherent freedom became a bonding agent here because it became identified as what it's not. So you go home at night and the mind's constantly representing and that wouldn't bother you at all except your awareness is on it. Your intent and interest is totally glued to it and it drives you crazy as a you, doesn't it? And you'll do almost anything for relief. You'll even think about getting loaded again if you know what happens to you when you get loaded. It doesn't matter because the uncomfortability is so unbearable, you've, all wisdom is dispensed. It'll give me some fucking relief. And then you're willing to come back and then go through the, the hassle of trying to get sober again. All for what? Five minutes? But that five minutes, the minute before that five minutes was hell. It made up a hell. So five minutes of relief from a hell sounds pretty good until the longer lasting hell appears. Consequences. You come out of it, and now everything's fucked. The people you owe money to, they didn't forget you owe the money. You forgot you owe them money. They didn't. The court case, the court date you forgot, the court didn't forget it. You know? The light, that, the broken tail light you forgot, the policeman that pulls you over doesn't forget it. All the shit hits the fan, doesn't it? So that one five-minute relief from the one minute of hell is four months of dragging, dragging, dragging being on the flypaper of bureaucracy here. Where everything that's happening around you is reinforcing you as this. Yeah? And you're prone and weak and fragile in a sense, your strength. So you fall back into the selfing very easily. Yeah? And then, you've been, then things feed on you. Energy takes you over and uses you for transportation. Doesn't it? Alcoholism is like a parasite. It takes you over, and it doesn't go where you want to go. It goes where it wants to go. And you pay the cost. Jeez. This isn't really a joke. Because, like, in our community, when people leave our community, they die. This isn't like they left the, you know, the golf course or the golf club, and they, they joined another club. No. We, they leave our club, and a lot of them die. Of course it's not real, but in fact here it sure seems to be, so get some fucking help. I'm saying the greatest immunity to that foreign parasite is recognizing it's not you. If, if you don't, you're going to try to make peace with it, and it's not able to be made peace to. You are not going to be able to accommodate it in your life. You're not going to be able to say, oh, this is yours and this is mine. It's going to encroach on everything. It's going to take you over. Yes? Yeah. So it's important to have immunity to it. To me, this is the immunity to it. To recognize I'm not that. Yeah? So then you can recognize it as it appears, and you'll have the distance from it because it's not you, and that's the immunity. 
Yes? As soon as you bond your interest and attention with it, it's got you. Then the first page of the story, you'll be, before you know it, you're on page 94. You're you're totally engrossed in the drama of being you. Yeah? Fuck. We joke around here, but, you know, this is a, you know, there's one thing that's happened in this apparatus, I honor what's been offered to me. That's one thing. I've honored it above all else. When this was dropped in me, I honored it because it's, it, for me, it deserves to be honored, you know, as a me, as a me that's not a me. There's a, it's just something, it's something unbelievable that you've been introduced to. Yeah. You've been served the spiritual subpoena. Yeah. That's all I needed. I'm hoping in a, in a, in a way that's all you'll need because when this was dropped on me, everything started to change. And I've never looked that old way again. I've always looked in a new direction. And I'll tell you, my seeing is much more illuminated when it's doing this instead of just looking out. It's looking this. I'm not thinking I'm looking. Yeah? I'm looking at the thing that's looking. <laughs> yeah, so we have three nights, three meetings a week just to reinforce this. That's the deal. That's the contract, yeah? You throw me a couple of bucks and I show up. Yeah? Every, once in a while, every once in a while I'll get a hearty handshake and maybe a free dinner. and Who knows? <laughs> but so far 